Okay. Did you have one kind of last time? Yeah. 20 seconds. Alright. Let's get rolling. Um, got your Bibles? Everyone got a Bible? Claire. Wow. What a day. What a day. She has a Bible. This is maybe the first time that she has ever brought her Bible. I am very impressed as well. That's excellent. Great job. Bonus points to Claire. All right, open up Second Timothy chapter 2. So we're going to wrap up. Oh, I guess I should do announcements first while you turn there. Bible conference is in... 10 days. Starts next Wednesday. Not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. It's going Wednesday through Saturday, or Wednesday through Sunday this year. We have church cleaning that Saturday, which is going to be a little tricky because if you've been to the Bible conference, there's going to be Bibles and machines and there's going to be people everywhere. Saturday is going to be the busiest assembly day that they have. So we're going to just kind of have to work around them as best we can. We're mainly just going to vacuum, clean the bathrooms, wipe the windows down. Yeah, stop. My dad's going to have people stocking things daily and cleaning the bathrooms and taking out the trash daily. So there shouldn't be a ton to do, but uh, we are still cleaning the church that day, which means we're also having the Ong prayer meeting that day. I'm hoping that I'll have an update from him by then because they are in Vietnam now. So hopefully we can get an update. Uh, so there's no class that Sunday, the 24th, because we're just having one combined service. So there's no nine o'clock hour at all. Uh, I don't know why he put up there Wednesday question mark. Uh, we will not have sir, we will not have class on Wednesday because it's the Bible conference, so we're not having class. Questions about that? Hallie's not here, so probably no questions. No. Okay. Great. Uh, let's pray. We should pray first. Oh, Hallie is here now. Hallie. What's up, Hallie? Your parents are like on time. Mo- most of Pass Point probably isn't even there yet. And I said, Hallie's not here, so probably no questions. All right, we're going to pray. Dear God, thank you for uh, this day. Thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for uh, the upcoming Bible conference and just the chance that we have to um, assemble these these uh, Bibles, God. I pray that you would just bring people in and, and just help us to get the job done, God, and then uh, just be with those Bibles as they get sent, uh, I think, all over South America. God, I just pray that um, you would just put your hand on those and, and just get them to places that they need to be. God, thank you for uh, Randy and the whole Word First team and just their um, vigilance to get us uh, Bibles and, and things that we can put our hands on, God, that um, are going to places where real battles are happening and, God, where people need um, your word. Just help us to not take for granted, God, that we have your word in our language. And, um, God, we've got copies of it easily available to us. And just pray that we would not take those things for granted, that we would um, take advantage of the fact that we can read your Bible whenever we want, God, that we can um, just study it whenever we want to. God, I pray for this uh, this morning as we wrap up our, our principles of Bible study. study. God, I pray that you would just help us to... Um, take these things and apply them and just as we read our Bible and especially as we study it, God, that we would um, remember these these things and remember these principles, God, and, and use them to help us understand what the Bible is saying and, and how we can apply it to our lives. And so I just ask your blessing on uh, Jason as he is preparing to preach here in just a little bit. 
And I pray for Brian and uh, Brady and Angela as they head back from Boston tomorrow and just give them a a safe flight back. God, just help their work there to have been fruitful and effective and uh, just help them to bring back a good report. In Jesus' name, amen. What's up, Lucas? You made it. And you brought your Bible. Man, what a day. Hallie, did you bring your Bible? Great. I guess. That's not really great, actually. Okay, then that's great. Then Then it is great. Uh, we're in Second Timothy chapter two. We're gonna we're wrapping up our principles of Bible study. Study. I'm sorry to all of you guys who are sitting in the dark, but allow the light to permeate your life. Yeah, well, because you know their pain. Because you usually sit over there in the dark. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're gonna wrap up this study. Uh, there's a lot of. I think there's like. Depending on the list you look at, 23 or I've even seen I think as many as 28 of these rules of Bible study or principles of Bible study. So uh, we're not going to look at all of them. We looked at kind of maybe some of the main ones. Um, some of them are pretty, some of the other ones are pretty small as far as like there's not a lot to say about them. So I kind of skipped over a few of those. But um, if you ever take D2, you will uh, go through all of the principles of Bible study or just kind of as they come up in class, we'll We'll talk about them, but I felt like the ones that we covered were kind of the main ones that were um, maybe most applicable to you, so hopefully that's been helpful, but we're going to recap them all, because I know we started it like in June, and most of you guys have slept since then, so um, just some closing thoughts on this on this study. So the theme verse was 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, hopefully, I probably should have asked you if anybody remembered that, but I already told you we're a turn, so everyone has their Bible open to it, so... Uh, it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so that's kind of been the theme verse because um, principles of Bible study is, it does help you as you're reading your Bible, for sure, like the, to be able to apply some of these things, but it's principles of Bible study. So it's for uh, when you're studying out the Bible. If you're going to do a devotion uh, or you're trying to figure out what a particular passage is talking about, or you're trying to figure out how you can apply it to your life. It, it's more than just reading the Bible. It's when you're actually studying the Bible. Um, these principles kind of help you work through uh, how to figure out what's being said or how you can apply it or uh, you know what, what God's talking about, how God uses it, um, things like that. So, so this verse is kind of our key because it's talking about studying. Uh, but it tells us that um, studying God's Word is work, right? It takes effort. It takes Uh, Time It takes sacrifice. It takes a commitment to uh, studying these things out. Um, You know, when when Brian is preparing to preach or Jason this week or uh, when I'm preparing to teach or Ray is teaching, uh, we don't just, you know, pull these things out of out of thin air. It's not just like, you know, we search up, you know, a lesson plan and then we print it out off of Google and then we come in here and read it. Um, it does take time. It takes effort to put things together, right? I mean, we have to actually read the stuff that we're going to be talking about. We have to study it out. We have to look up verses that are cross-references. We have to um, think about, like, stories or examples or ways that we can uh, give you the information that maybe will help you to apply it in your life. There's, there's like, work that goes into putting together a message or putting together a devotion. If you've ever done a devotion, um, it takes some work to, to do that. And so... Um, so God's telling us here that, you know, that it does take work and uh, that we should be rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we talked about that, meaning if the Bible says you should rightly divide it, there's a wrong way to divide it. 
So one of the things we talked about was divisions and how the Bible is divided up and how we can look at those things. So um, let's recap. What are the what are the different um, rules the Bible said that we've talked about? In no particular order. Just give them to me. Lucas has at least a couple of them in his brain right now. Accessing files. First mention and context. That's two of them. You just combine them together to first context, but that's good. First mention, context. What else? Amy, give me one. Hmm. You don't remember any of them? What? You don't remember any of them? Claire? Yes, numerology was one of them. That's the one we talked about the last couple weeks. What else? Juju, you got any back there? Looking through your notes? Accessing your files? Give me one, Hallie. I think I have. I don't have one here. I think I have Oh, okay. Lucas, your files processed yet? Still not. Man. He just said two of them. He did, Sam? No, you did. Oh. Mm-hmm. Huh? Man, you guys. You guys are too tired, too asleep. Divisions, principle of divisions. I did just say that one. Whoops. Divisions, if I can spell it. The other one is dispensations. That's another divisions one. Uh, we talked about taking the Bible literally. And then numerology. Those are the main ones we talked about. We talked about uh, the principle of order, which is not really its own principle it's kind of a combination one that I made, kind of made up so uh, I, mean, I didn't make it up but I just kind of combined God is a God of order do things decently and in order and I combined uh, I think first mention and context and I called it order but um, but those are the ones that we've talked about so let's just kind of go through them a little bit they're not in the order that they are in my notes so first mention uh, what's the principle of first mention What what's important about the first mention in the Bible what is first mention? Huh? Mentioning something first. I should have known. Huh? The first time what is mentioned? Yeah, a word or a phrase. The first time it shows up in the Bible. So the one, one of the ones we looked at was heart. The word heart, when it shows up in the Bible for the first time, is dealing with man's wicked and evil heart. And now it was in Genesis chapter 6, and it says that the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then the very next verse, I think it was verse 7, or maybe it was verse 5, uh, it said that something about God's heart, um, it repented God at his heart that he had made man. And so it was kind of the first two times that the word heart showed up in the Bible is dealing with the wickedness of man's heart, and but God's you know like uh, love toward us anyways. And so that's kind of a theme throughout the Bible. We looked at, you know, out of, um, in Proverbs 4, how it talks about, um, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Like 
issues, the issues of life come from our heart and, you know, don't follow your heart. And we talked about all those kinds of things because all throughout the Bible, when it's talking about man's heart, it's dealing with evil, wickedness, things like that. Unless it's like, um, in, I think it's Acts or Romans where it says that David was a man after God's own heart, right? It's because his heart was focused on the Lord. Um, that's, that's the only time we should be following our heart when our heart's desire is to, um, follow God. So that was one of the verse or one of the words that we looked at, but yeah, just the first time that a word or a phrase shows up in the Bible and it sets the tone for how God's going to use that word or phrase throughout the rest of the Bible. So, uh, when the first, when you come across any word or any phrase in the Bible, um, if you then look up when other times that that phrase or that, that word show up, uh, God's going to use those things. He uses the first time to set the tone kind of for how he's going to use it throughout the rest of the Bible. And again, there's exceptions to that, but, um, that's just, that's a general guiding principle. And, um, and so it's important to kind of pay attention to that. One of the quotes that I used during that, I think during that lesson, uh, that I really like, it's got by, by a guy named R.A. Torrey. Uh, it says, it must be remembered, however, that the Bible contains gold, and almost anyone is willing to dig for gold, especially if it is certain that he will find it. It is certain that one will find gold in the Bible if he digs. And so it's just the idea of, if I told you that there was gold underneath this trailer, uh, you guys would all go dig underneath this trailer looking for the gold, despite the fact that there's all kinds of animals underneath there. Who knows what you would, might find? Uh, it's gross under there, but you would dig for it because there's gold under there, right? And gold is valuable, and uh, you know you could you could get money from that, huh? Would you? If I told you there was like a twenty thousand dollar brick of gold underneath this trailer, I bet you'd go under there for twenty grand. Well, but if I just put it there, and I just said it's for you guys, first one to get it gets it. You would not go under this trailer for a $20,000 brick of gold? Oh my gosh. Huh? What if I told you there was... There was eight bricks of gold and you could only each get one? Then would you? <laughs> okay. She's negotiating finder's fees for this imaginary gold. Okay, so Hallie doesn't want to dig for gold. Anyways, the point is that if you knew that there was gold somewhere that or something of value, whatever it is that you want, uh, you would dig for it. And the Bible is full of valuable uh, information, valuable... Um, I mean, it's the words of God. The words of God are valuable. Nuggets, yeah, valuable nuggets to continue the gold analogy. So uh, I just really like that quote. So that's one of the ones that we talked about during the first mention. All right, context was next. So context, I think it was the first one we covered because it's kind of maybe the most important one. I don't know if you can necessarily rank the importance of the principles of Bible study. They're all important. But uh, context is maybe the most important one because uh, we can really get the Bible to say whatever we want the Bible to say. Uh, you can find verses or phrases uh, or kind of twist things around to say pretty much whatever you want it to say. Um, and so context is is important because God put the Bible in the order that it's in, and he put the words the way that he put them, and he put the verses in the order that he put them in uh, for a reason. And so uh, if, we're just, if we're just reading the Bible and taking things, you know, out of context to use uh, how, we want, how we want to use them, 
uh, that's dangerous. And even if, I mean, sometimes we can even do it with good intentions. We can be, you know, maybe we're praying about something and then we read a verse and we're like, oh, this must mean that God wants me to do this thing. And, uh, you know, if somebody can step back objectively and say, you know, that that's not what this verse is saying. That's not what uh, God is trying to tell you through this verse. But maybe we get in our heads that, oh, this is the answer to the prayer because it's the answer that I was looking for. And, and God showed it to me. And so it must be it must be right. And so we need to be uh, careful that we don't take God's word out of context. And so we talked about some kind of like silly examples or not silly examples, but kind of kind of silly examples like, you know, the Bible says there is no God. Uh, but it says before that, you know, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And so uh, just taking verses or, or words out of out of uh, the context of the verse that they're in or out of the context of the chapter that they're in, that can be dangerous in and of itself. But um, also just not understanding, you know, if you read the Old Testament and you're you're reading through, you know, Leviticus or Numbers and it's talking about these sacrifices and you have to do this and this and this to be cleansed from your sins. Uh, that doesn't apply to us, right? That's that's not in the context that we live in. Those things are not literally required of us, right? There's some pictures that we can draw from that. There's some um, things that we can recognize in our life. Like it does, we do need to be sacrificing things in our life, not physically killing animals uh, to cover our sins because Jesus did that already for us. So in the context of the Bible, that's Old Testament. That's before Christ died. Um, those things don't apply to us in a literal sense anymore. Um, but that did apply to them literally. And so we can't, we can gain some information, uh, some understanding from that. So, um, so taking the Bible in context is, is really important because, uh, without understanding the context, you can get into some really bad doctrine. And there's a lot of, uh, religions out there that will teach different things because they don't understand the context of where the, you know, they're pulling out information about, um, you know, you got to be baptized to be saved. Okay, well, there's a couple passages in the Bible where it kind of talks about that. But, you know, if they pull those things out of context, um, you can you can get some bad doctrine and some, some false teachings. And so it's important to understand um, how the Bible is put together and, and why it's put together that way. And so when you read a verse, you know, look at it in the context of that whole chapter. Okay, what's going on in this chapter? What's God, you know, what's God saying? What's What's the historical, uh, you know, situation that these people were in? Uh, is this before Christ died or is this after Christ died? What, you know, what is going on in this, in this chapter or this passage, uh, or this book? And so, um, so context is, is super important, uh, as you study the Bible. Uh, numerology, that one's kind of maybe one of the more fun ones to study, but it can, you can kind of get down some pretty serious rabbit trails when you talk about numerology. Um, you know, it's not one of those things that, we need to like, oh, this this verse is the number, you know, this this verse is verse number five, so it must be talking about death. A lot of times it is, uh, but we don't need to like try to read into it more than is there. But it is kind of an interesting uh, study to to pay attention to. Uh, man, a lot of times verse thirteen or chapter thirteen of a of a book is dealing with rebellion. Like that's kind of a recurring theme. It happens a lot, and so there's just some things that as you're reading your Bible, you can. Um, you can kind of gain a little bit more understanding of what's happening just based on, you know, the numbers of the verses and the numbers of the chapters and uh, just the way God uses numbers in the Bible and, and how often those things show up. Uh, you guys remember what any of the numbers stood for? I already gave you two of them. What's the number one? Nope.
The number one, yes. Unity, yeah. Number one is unity. So, like, it's all united into one thing. Number two, the opposite of unity. Divisions, yes. Number three, huh? Yes, whole or complete. Number four, huh? Yes, earth or creation. Number five, death or grace. Thank you. Good job. Number six, man. Number seven, perfection. Number eight, new beginnings. Thank you. Number nine, huh? Number nine, what? Fruit bearing. Yes. Number ten. Gentiles, uh, no, not 11, 12. Je- it's like a race between who of you can say it fastest. 13, rebellion. I don't, I, we didn't talk about 11. I don't know if 11 actually means, if it does, I haven't heard it. I do have a question. Yes. Why did we go 1 through 10, skip 11, 12, 13, and then go all the way to 40? Because the number, I've never heard of what the number 11 might mean. I'm not saying that it doesn't mean anything, but... The number 11 is not something that I have heard. It's not something, It's not like a common number that shows up in the Bible very often. There are a few times, like Joseph and his brothers, there's 11 of their you know, stars or 11 of their sheaves bowing down or whatever. Um, so there might be something there. I don't know. I've never heard it taught that way. I've never heard of what number 11 might be. And then after 13, I mean, I don't know how many times... 14, 15, 16 show up in the Bible. It's not very many, if any. So, but 40 is a pretty commonly recurring number in the Bible. Jesus is 40 days in the wilderness. There's 40 days of night, uh, 40 days and 40 nights of rain with Noah. 40 show, they wander 40 years in the wilderness. 40 shows up a lot of times, but I mean, I don't know how many times any of those other numbers even show up. So it's hard to get a pattern if the number doesn't show up very often. So, uh, I'm not saying that there's nothing to do with any of those other numbers in the Bible, but it's not like common enough. Like these other numbers show up a lot and you can really get kind of a pattern of what they're talking about. But the number 27, I mean, that might not be in the Bible at all. I don't know. But um, it's not certainly not enough to get like a pattern off of. So, all right, number 40, testing or trials. Huh? It says trials. It must have said trials. Um, okay, so those numbers, those again, those are just things that are kind of helpful as you're reading. You know, if you're reading about uh, the story of like Abraham and he has Isaac and he has Ishmael. Okay, so uh, there's Ishmael was 13 years old um, whenever uh, Isaac was born, and so there's some like you can kind of gather. Okay, there's some rebellion going on, and then Isaac and Ishmael still to this day their descendants are fighting. Okay, there's rebellion going on between those those two people. So as you read and if you see a number pop up, uh, especially if it's a number we didn't talk about, maybe, you know, make note of that. Uh, maybe there is something to some of those other numbers, but um, especially if it's one of these numbers that we talked about, just as those numbers come up in your in your reading, you can kind of get some uh, additional information uh, or maybe some insight into what's going on based on just the numbers that God uses. Because again, God is... Uh, God's not put the Bible together randomly, right? I mean, he didn't just randomly choose to record these things. I mean, he could o- he only recorded, you know, this many words for us. This is all we have. 
And so each one of them is in there for a specific reason. And so, you know, God did not just, uh, you know, throw these numbers in there or these words in there randomly. So it's important for us to remember that as we're reading, like each one of these words was specifically chosen to go in this verse and this order uh, for this reason. And so as you read them, uh, especially when it comes to like numbers, those numbers are there for a purpose. And, and so we can get some information from those or some additional uh, like insight into what God's trying to tell us. Okay, so divisions and dispensations. These ones we talked about, uh, I think, back-to-back weeks. So what are some divisions in the Bible? What's the biggest division in the Bible? Like just as you, as you look at the Bible, what's the biggest, most obvious division? Old and New Testament, right? Also the books of the Bible, right? There's 66 divisions. There's 66 different books in the Bible. Uh, there's all the different chapters in the Bible, right? They're divided by, you know, a header at each, at the top of each one, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, right? Um, so yeah, there's the Old and the New Testament. Certain groups, certain books of the Bible are grouped together. Like the first five books of the Bible, uh, sometimes called the Pentateuch. Uh, those are the books that were written by Moses. Those are, um, you know, some historical books dealing with the formation of the nation of Israel, dealing with the creation of mankind, dealing with Israel and how they became a nation uh, in Egypt and how they were freed from that. So there's, a, you know, the first five books are kind of grouped together. We have the major prophets and the minor prophets, right? So those books are kind of lumped together based on just the size of the book, not the importance of the prophet uh, or his message. But uh, the major prophets are just the bigger books, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. And then once you get into Hosea, then you're in the minor prophets. All those books are like small, right? There's just a few chapters in most of those. Um, you get to the New Testament, you got the Pauline epistles, the, book, the books that Paul wrote, right? Those are grouped together uh, specifically because those books were written to churches uh, with the exception of the book of First and Second Timothy, which were written to a guy named Timothy, but it was, he was a pastor. Uh, it's still got a church context to it. Um, so those books were written to churches. So those books apply directly to us because we are a church, right? We are part of the body of Christ. So there's all these different uh, kind of just big divisions. You don't have to know a lot about the Bible to know that there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament. You don't have to, I mean, just open up the Bible to the, pa- to the table of contents and you'll see all these different books of the Bible. You may not know what each book talks about or uh, you may not know a lot about each one of the books, but uh, you can see clearly there's 66 different divisions that, that God has set up. And so there's all these different divisions and uh, it's important to know how to divide the Bible. The Old Testament and the New Testament, those are important because the Old Testament those things don't apply directly to us, especially when it pertains to salvation and sacrificing. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, was way different in the Old Testament. He, he wasn't different, but uh, like you could lose the Holy Spirit. It talks about uh, with, with Saul, uh, King Saul, like the Holy Spirit descended on him. And so he had the Holy Spirit for a while and then uh, he lost the Holy Spirit. Well, that doesn't make any sense in a New Testament context because we can't lose the Holy Spirit, right? Once the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, uh, he's there for good. He can't, he, he, we can't lose him. But in the Old Testament, they could. So if you read the Old Testament and you see the Holy Spirit left Saul and you just don't know that there's a division there, that there's something different going on there than there is now, then you would think naturally, well, what if, how, I don't want to lose him. I don't want to lose my salvation. And you could get some bad doctrine just based on not understanding that, that kind of, uh, basic division in the Bible. And so that kind of stuff, um, happens a lot where where people misconstrue what the Bible is saying because they take it from uh, the wrong place, right? Even in the Gospels, you can take things from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
that are still in the Old Testament context, right? Because Jesus doesn't die and raise again till the end of those books. And so when Jesus is still alive on the earth and he's telling his disciples, don't go talk to the Gentiles, only go to the Jews. Okay, well, that could be taken in a wrong way, right? If you don't understand the context, you don't understand that there's a division there uh, that's getting ready to take place. Jesus was here to save the Jews. Now, does that mean that he didn't love the Gentiles also? No, John 3.16, right? God loved the whole world. It's not just the Jews that he loved. But Jesus' uh, you know, original purpose was to come back and restore the Jews. And the Jews rejected him, right? The Jews are the ones that killed him. And so, you know, when, when he rejected the Jews and then he raises again at the end of, at the, end of the Gospels um, and then in Acts 1, he ascends up into heaven. Okay, things are different in Acts chapter 1, right? That's when the Holy Spirit comes down and people start getting saved in the way that we think of salvation. Um, and then, but you got to get all the way to Acts chapter 10 before God tells uh, Peter, he's like, hey, go to the Gentiles. And Peter's like, no, 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 I can't go to the Gentiles. Those guys are unclean. And God reminds him, like, if I've called them clean, don't you call them unclean? He's talking about the, the, the sheet of animals that comes down and all that. So there's some divisions there, right? Even in the books, even in the, the gospels where Jesus is saying things. Okay, we got to take those in context. We got to understand uh, what's happening. And we got to understand that the church did not exist when Jesus was on the earth. Okay, uh, the church didn't come into existence until Acts after Jesus leaves. Because uh, the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit did not come until Jesus was gone. And so there's an important division there. Uh, so there's lots of divisions like that. There's lots of things that, um, you know, if you don't understand something that you're reading or you hear something, you're like, that doesn't make sense to what I thought or what I understood. Uh, maybe you're maybe you're thinking correctly and maybe you hear something from the Bible and it's in a different context and you don't understand that it's in a different context. Maybe you're still right about what you're thinking, but... Uh, but the way that it's presented to you, it seems like, well, the Bible's contradicting what I'm thinking. Now, now, which one's right? Okay, the Bible's always right, but maybe you just maybe you need to understand the division part of it. Maybe you need to understand the context of what the person who was talking about it said. Um, or, you know, when you read across something and it's like, well, that doesn't line up with what I thought was the case. Well, consider these these rules of Bible study. Is this the Old Testament? Is this the New Testament? That will answer a lot of your questions right there. Um, or if you still can't understand it, ask somebody, right? Um, first, ask God to explain it to you or to help you understand it. But, you know, ask your parents, ask me, ask Brian, ask your disciple if you're being discipled, um, those kinds of things. Uh, then we talked about dispensations. Uh, I'm not going to go, well, I can go through them real quick. Um, the first one was Edenic, uh, the age of innocence. And so each of these dispensations had uh, four different things. They had a responsibility. Well, first they had a steward. They had a responsibility. They had a failure. Did you say failure? Good job. And then they had a judgment. So the Edenic uh, Age of Innocence, uh, the steward was Adam. Right? It was his job. And his what was his responsibility? What was Adam told to do? Take care of the garden, but more importantly, don't eat of the tree, right? Don't You can eat of everything, just not this one tree. That was his responsibility. His failure was that he ate of the tree, right? And then the judgment was that they were kicked out of the garden and that they died, uh, just like God said they would. They died spiritually that day, uh, but ultimately they would have lived forever had they not done that. And so 
you know, at some point, uh, 900 and some odd years later, they died uh, physically, or he died physically. So the Edenic one uh, was first, and Adamic was the second one. Uh, so the the steward of the Adamic one was actually not Adam. It was the sons of Adam. Uh, their responsibility was to multiply, to do good, to do blood sacrifice, right? God had showed them uh, with the the sin of Adam and Eve. He had showed them he killed what we presume to be a lamb based on uh, you know, other context information, but God killed an animal and made them skins, right, to cover themselves up, and it required the blood of that animal to um, to cover their sins. And so He taught God taught them through that the blood sacrifice was uh, important, that the blood of animals uh, was to be used to cover the sins of mankind. And then, uh, of course, we know Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel were supposed to bring sacrifices of of animals, right? And uh, Abel did that. Cain brought uh, the best of his fruits, uh, which was not what God told him to. So uh, their responsibility was to multiply, to do good, to do blood sacrifices. Uh, they did not do that. There was evil and wickedness uh, throughout all of mankind. And so what was the judgment for the for that particular dispensation? How did God judge their failure? You almost said it. The flood, yeah. God judged them by the flood. Uh, so he basically erased mankind, started all over with eight people. Um, and then that began the Noahic or the human government dispensation. Uh, their respon- or their uh, steward was Noah. Their responsibility was to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Okay, They were supposed to repopulate the earth. They did not scatter abroad as they were supposed to. They stayed all centralized. They decided to set up human government and they set up this uh, a few different towns but one of them was Babel and they decided to build this tower that could reach unto heaven because they wanted to make their own way to God and God's like no 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 uh, that's not going to work for me so he confounded their languages that was the judgment uh, for that one and then you got the Abrahamic or the promise dispensation Abraham was the the steward of that Um, their responsibility was to dwell in Canaan like get to the promised land uh, they did not do that, and the result was, uh, the judgment was Egyptian bondage. Then you got the Mosaic, uh, or the dispensation of the law. Moses was the steward of that one. Their uh, responsibility was to keep the law. Um, they did not keep the law. And ultimately, that one ended with the rejection of Jesus Christ. So that one was uh, just in the like the chunk of our Bible. That was probably the longest one. It goes from basically Exodus to the whole New Testament. Um, and so that, or to the beginning of the New Testament. So that was kind of the biggest chunk of our Bible, um, is that they were supposed to keep the, keep the law. They did not do that. And so the judgment for that, after Jesus died, uh, in, uh, 70 AD, so a few years after Jesus died, like 30 or 40 years after Jesus died, um, Jerusalem was destroyed and the Jews were spread across the earth. And still to this day, uh, the Jews are all over the world now. Um, and so they've been, you know, persecuted as a people group for a very long time, but, uh, but their judgment was the, the dispersion of the Jews. And, uh, then the next one, the age that we are in now, the dispensation that we're in now, uh, is the age of grace or the church age. And, uh, the keeper or the steward of that is Paul and also us, the church. Uh, we are also the keepers of this particular dispensation. Um, our responsibility is to receive Christ by faith. Right. Um, that was not I mean, faith has always been involved in salvation. But uh, before us in the church age, we need to, by faith, receive Christ. The failure is that we 
as a people, not us specifically, hopefully, but as a uh, as a group, we are failing at that uh, because we're rejecting Christ. We're putting our faith in works. There's so many religions that are based on works. You know, I I have to do this and this and this in order to find favor with God, in order to be saved, in order to uh, be accepted by God. Uh, we put our faith in our works because we feel like we can control that. Uh, ultimately, that's that's not what God wants. It's it's to receive Christ by faith. So the judgment that is yet to come for our dispensation uh, is the judgment seat of Christ. And then the last one uh, is the kingdom dispensation or the millennium. Uh, that's going to be the steward is going to be the apostles and their responsibility is going to be to obey and worship Christ. Uh, there's going to be a final rebellion and uh, there's going to be eternity in hell for those who um, reject Christ. Okay, the last one up there after dispensations is to take the Bible literally. Uh, that one's pretty easy and quick. Basically, we're supposed to take the Bible literally what it says. right? If the Bible says that a big fish ate a person and he was in there for three days and then he vomited him back up on the shore, uh, that's something that we take literally. Right, that is a literal historical story uh, that the Bible records as true. So on faith, we take that that is true. Right, if the Bible says that a young man killed a giant warrior with a stone and a sling, uh, we take that on faith that that's what happened because that's what the Bible says. Okay, um, if the Bible says that the whole world was covered with water from a flood and that only eight people survived and a bunch of animals, that's what we believe because that's what the Bible says. Uh, when the Bible tells us um, when Jesus specifically, but other times in the Bible where it's a story that didn't actually happen, Jesus will say, uh, you know, that this is a parable, right? This is a, uh, not necessarily a true story, but it's a story that can be used to teach a, uh, spiritual truth. And so those maybe are things that didn't actually happen, um, those parables. And so when the Bible doesn't want you to take it literally, it will tell you, uh, this is just a story, right? This is not a true thing that happened. Um, or it will use similes like and as it'll say, you know, this is like this, or his face was as, uh, you know, this thing. I'm trying to remember what it says about Moses. His face was as a, after he saw it, after he talked with God on the mountain, uh, his face was shining like something. I can't remember what it is, but his face was not actually that thing. It was like that thing, right? We don't have to take it literally because it uses the word, his face shone like something. Um, so, but we're going to take the Bible literally, uh, as, as often as we can. And that's not as often as we want to, uh, but as often as the Bible allows us to take it literally, we're going to take it literally. Okay. When Paul says he was shipwrecked so many times, he was beaten so many times, he almost died so many times, uh, all these different things, those things literally happened to Paul. Okay. And so, um, you know, when we read the Bible, unless it tells us that it's not a true story or unless it tells us that it's comparing these two things like or as, um, you know, then we're going to take those things literally. When it talks in Revelation, uh, I'm reading through Revelation right now. If you read the book of Revelation, there's a lot of crazy things that it talks about in the book of Revelation. You know, beasts with multiple heads and faces, you know, on, you know, multiple faces on the same head. Huh? Yeah, full of eyes and stuff. And it's like, what is this even talking about? You know, these are real things, right? The Bible's not making these things up. Uh, these are not stories. This is, if you read the book of Revelation, uh, in chapter, I think it's chapter one or chapter, I think it's chapter one. Uh, you know, John, the apostle John is taken, uh, spiritually, he's taken, not spiritually, but like, uh, I don't know what the word is, but he's, he's 
transported through time to something that hasn't yet happened. And he's there and he's experiencing all these things. And so he's writing all these things down. This is what I saw. I saw, yeah, a face full of eyes. I saw this beast with so many heads. I saw this, uh, face, this head with so many faces, right? He's, he's recording all these things that he saw, these, these literal things, uh, that have yet to happen. But because God looks at time differently than us, all those things kind of already have happened for God's time. And, uh, so John experienced those things. So when we read the book of Revelation, those are true, uh, events, even though they haven't taken place for us yet. They're, they're in the future for us. Um, but John experienced them. Huh? Uh, this was in Daniel. It's not what they're talking about. Moses, but it says his body also was like the barrel, which is precious stone, and his face as the appearance of lightning. His eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet light in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Yeah, so I think we get like the idea of using words like and as to explain something, and so it's a you know it's a simile, it's something a way to compare two different things that doesn't mean that that thing is that other thing. So, um, so taking the Bible literally, uh, there's a lot of things in the Bible that uh, you know maybe are difficult to just take at face value, but uh, the Bible means what it says and it says what it means. And, um, you know, if, if even one part of the Bible to us is unbelievable, like we just cannot believe that that happened, well, then how can we believe the rest of it happened? And so it's kind of an all or nothing type of proposition. And so we need to take the Bible literally, uh, until we are not able to do that, um, that way. So, uh, we are almost out of time. Um, Yeah, I have something else, but I'm going to save it for next week. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about just really quickly is uh, there's a book. It's in our library. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I've read most of it. It's uh, Jeff Adams wrote it, but it's something like an investigation of the Bible or something like that. Uh, and he kind of presents um, our job as readers and studiers of the Bible is to approach it like an investigator would approach you know, a crime scene. If you guys have ever watched any kind of movie or TV show dealing with like cops or FBI or whoever, and they're, they're investigating crime scenes, uh, you know, you ask questions like, you know, who, what, where, why, when, how, right? Those basic kind of investigative questions. And, uh, those things will get you a lot of answers, right? Like, you know, so when you're reading the Bible, investigate the Bible, right? Investigate it, uh, like an investigator would investigate a crime scene, um, ask questions about the Bible. Who is, who is God talking to in this passage, right? Is he talking to me? Is this, I mean, yes, you can get things, uh, out of every passage of the Bible, but like, who is this passage actually written to? Uh, you know, the book of first Samuel is not written directly to us. There are things that we can get from it, but that is a historical Jewish book written to Jews about a Jewish King, right? And a Jewish, uh, judge in Samuel. And so those things, those, that book was not written to us, but God recorded in the Bible for us. So there's some things we can get for it or get from it. But if I read the book of Galatians and that book is written to me specifically, to you specifically, to the church uh, as a whole. And so when you read different books, those things are written to different people. So who is this written to? Who's God, who's God dealing with in this, in this passage? You know, like what, what's going on? Uh, you know, so just those investigative questions. When, when was this book written? Was this before Jesus? Was this after Jesus? Is this during the church age? Is this back in the Old Testament? Is this before the law? Is this like an early in Genesis before God gives them the, the commandments? Is it, is it that? Um, 
you know, how how am I supposed to apply this to my life? Why is this recorded in the Bible? God only had so much, you know, this much space to record things. Why did he choose to record uh, this particular story? Why is this in there? Uh, what can I gain from that? So there's all those investigative questions. Who, what, where, why, when, how. Um, when you're reading your Bible, try to think about those things. Um, and these principles will help you to kind of answer some of those questions, especially like the divisions and the dispensations. It will help you kind of break that down. Who is this written to and why is it here? Um, but that book, uh, it's in the it's in the library. I'll have to look up the name of it for you guys if you're interested in it. But he he talks about, he, he uses that example of like a, an investigator on a crime scene the whole way through that book. And uh, it just gives some different insight or different way of looking at the Bible. Because, you know, we read the Bible like it's, uh, if, if we read the Bible like it's a fictional, you know, book that, you know, a Harry Potter book or something like that, we're going to read it differently than if we understand that this is a historical book that was recorded for us to get information from, like to get things that we can apply to our life from. And, uh, and so if you, if you read it like you would just read a normal fictional book, uh, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna get things differently from it than if you investigate and say, you know, what's going on here? Why is this talked about? Why is this recorded for me? What am I supposed to gain from this? How can I apply this in my life? Um, those kinds of questions will get you a lot further, uh, than if you just kind of read it at a, at a, um, like a cursory level, like a, like you would read a normal book. Cause it's not a normal book. So. Any questions about that? Yes? Oh, yeah. The habit trackers, those things that I gave you guys a couple, uh, not last Wednesday, but the Wednesday before. We were supposed to start on September 1st. So is anybody doing that? You weren't even here for that, were you? Were you here for that? Yeah? Okay. So you guys picked something that you're trying to track and you're actually doing it? Are you coloring in the things? I've missed one day on mine and I fell asleep so I didn't finish it I mine mine is I'm praying 30 minutes a day and I'm reading my Bible every day of course but I'm trying to pray specifically for things each day and I was like five minutes into praying and then I just fell asleep so that day I didn't finish that one but is it going pretty good for you guys yeah yeah has it been helpful I'm doing three different okay all right that's so good I, I you don't have to, but hopefully it's helpful. So we have, uh, today's the 10th, so we're a third of the way done with our 30-day challenge. So hopefully it is helpful and hopefully you keep it going beyond 30 days. But if you want more trackers, if you want to do it again for October, I can print some more of those. Huh? Okay. You weren't here for that. You haven't been here on Wednesdays because of football. Amy hasn't been here on Wednesdays much either. You can jump in. Yep. I'll print some more this week and I'll bring them on Wednesday and I'll, or I'll bring them again on Sunday. So, yep, good reminder. All right, let's pray and get out of here. Dear Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this study and just for this... Uh, it's time to just talk about your word, God. I thank you for uh, everyone that's here, God. I pray that you would just help us to continue to um, desire to apply your word to our lives and that we would desire to be in your word. And uh, God, I thank you for these the habit trackers. I thank you that they're they're helpful and that they're working, God. I pray that um, 
that we would just continue to stick with those things even beyond this 30 days uh, that we're that we're working through, God. I pray that you would just help us to um, have something in our life change for the positive in our relationship with you. And uh, God, just to work on those things daily. And I just ask your blessing on this upcoming service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.